welcome back to Goodreads Better Friends. You know what's funny? The other day I was like, I should say something weird at the intro, like, Six Dad World or something, like, that's from Daria. <laughs> I don't know. And I, and I was like, no, I'm not witty enough to do this, so let's just do our normal. <laughs> banter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. There's so many different ways that the podcasts I listen to like start up. Like some of them just like dive in, like start in, like in the middle of them just having a personal conversation, yeah. and then yeah, I uh, I feel like we always just stare at each other, and one of and us is like, like Who's yeah, gonna speak first? welcome to Good Reads Better Friends," and that basically sums up who we are as people. So, you know. so um, that's Aisha. So that's Morgo. And we're going to talk about um, something Morgan is very, very excited about. (laughs) Um, Miniature stories. Short stories. Um, (laughs) I love short stories. And I feel like if I actually wrote, don't even look at me, Aisha. I'm not going (laughs) to. If I actually followed through on writing, short stories is where. (laughs) Short stories. To be fair, she didn't look at me. She just said it (laughs) while she was looking off into the distance angrily. Um, Yeah, no, I, I love short fiction and I... I have a million ideas for a million short stories, and I admire many short story authors, and yet I haven't just sat down and tried to plunk one out, because I am afraid to try things, because I'm afraid of failure, and let's just dive into my psyche real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, so I love short stories. Honestly, you should just dive in. I know, That's the I only reason I continue to write poetry, because yeah. I promise, as much as people can compliment my writing, I still think it's absolute piss. Oh my gosh, you're wrong. It's a thing. <laughs> you <laughs> so might just, feel that way. You just gotta push through it, though. You, just, yeah. you, should, you should try it, because honestly, like I've said before, the way that you describe things is so <laughs> freaking good. Just do it. I do, do it. enjoy it. I, I get a lot of inspiration from the people that I read, probably. That's probably where it comes from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so... I don't remember where I was going I have that. exciting news, though. Yeah, go for it. We have almost 400 downloads across all of our Holy episodes. Holy balls. Who the fuck is listening? <laughs> yeah, you guys are, are still you? hanging in there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Thank None you. of our friends, but thank you <laughs> yeah. to the complete no, strangers. No, actually, I was thinking about it today. I want to give a shout-out to Colton. You're, like, one of the only living people that has come up to us and said, I listen to your yeah, podcast. I love you. So thanks for listening to us. You're the bee's knees guy. Thought we'd uh, name drop you. Uh-huh. Um, Andrew, you don't listen, do you? Andrew doesn't listen, so we're just going to have to shame him as much as we can. doesn't matter if we shame him on here. He's not going to hear it. He's but... not going to hear it ever. <laughs> so anyways, um, <laughs> that's really awesome news. Yeah, I was like... Holy crap, we only have, what, seven episodes? Yeah. 400 downloads? This is our eighth that we're recording right now, right? Thank you all for listening to us. You know, I think the goal was to make it feel like you're just hanging out with some pals, talking about some books, because that's what Aisha (laughs) and I love doing. So we're like, let's just do it for other people, too. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen that picture of the kid who's, like, sitting next to the poster eating ice cream, and they're all smiling and eating ice cream? (laughs) It says, this is what listening to a podcast is like. (laughs) That's our goal. (laughs) It is. I, uh, I listen to My Brother, My Brother, and Me while I jog now, and I will be in the middle of jogging and, like, laughing out loud, and I know people that are passing me are like, oh, she's insane. <laughs> Nobody laughs while they run. That's not a fun activity, <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, they help me get through it. Hey, so. at least you have the stamina to laugh while you're running. <laughs> Sometimes I think it'll kill me, but what a way to go, right? <laughs> but yeah, so do you have any other good news or fun, exciting stuff going on? Nope. <laughs> I don't have news, but I just have like a general PSA. Schools are starting back soon. And one of my closest friends in the world, Jen, is a teacher, and I'm just watching her prepare for this. I don't envy her in the amount of work that she's having to do, and it's just such a wild adjustment for our teachers to have to be making this. Like, they're having to do, like, either virtual teaching or they're having to go expose themselves and ultimately their family to a bunch of other people every day for several hours a day. Either way, it's not fun. Either way, it's a ton of extra work for them that they're probably not getting compensated for. So if you have kids in school right now, keep in mind that their teachers are doing the best that they can and they've been kind of throwing thrown into a shit show right now. So I just want to thank all those teachers out there. If you're listening, we love you. Ashley, I love you. My Ashley. Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Is she doing virtual or does she have to go in She class? is doing virtual. Oh, I know good. she's feeling it because she yeah. was very much considering leaving yeah. her career. She had oh. to go. I mean, her, she teaches kindergartners. They, yeah. They don't know hygiene. That would be rough. Me? Yeah. Congratulations that you're able to work virtual, mm. Ashley. And Jen, uh, we love you. And you got this. <laughs> All right. So that was my announcement. I don't have any other good news. I have been unplugged for the most part. <laughs> oh, there the was one week. thing that I saw on Twitter. Um, they are reversing their methods to to do, you know, the voter suppression where they were, like, locking all the mailboxes and removing them from, mm-hmm. like, poor areas. Mm-hmm. They've stopped that. That's, like, insane That is fascism. Yes. I was, like, seeing... This is one of the reasons I had to unplug because I thought I was just going to, like, freaking lose it. It's like, that. this is so... Such blatant fascism. It's fascism! It's blatant. <laughs> I'm just so upset, and I don't know how more people aren't upset and calling this out. I mean, a bunch of people are. Yeah. But, holy shit, yeah, it's insane. So... I actually... I have been considering completely deleting my Facebook because mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. I have I keep deleting the app off my phone. Mm-hmm. I moved it to its own separate like place mm-hmm. with nothing else because every time I get on there, it's just nothing good. And then I'm trying to like make myself feel better by posting memes instead of news, but then I feel bad for not posting yeah. information. Yeah. And I'm just well, like, it's this like, is a lot of pressure. It's like really, it's like a catch twenty two because yeah. you're either just adding to the negativity vortex or you're feeling like or being told by other people adding to the negativity vortex that you're not doing your part but and so like there's no way to win I feel Mm. like there's it's a hard it's very very hard to strike that balance and some people do it but it's very difficult and yeah I keep all of my social media apps including now tumblr in a little folder on my phone called the stress box I like titled it stress box and I have like a bunch of skull and crossbones and so like it really it does it because I like keep it in the farthest folder from my homepage. and so like I can go check on things I can like go look at events that are happening on Facebook and stuff but I have to think before I open it. It's not just sitting on my homepage where my thumb automatically goes to yeah. it. I have to like look at it. I see the skull and crossbones and I'm like, do I want to be stressed out right now? And you know, it's really helped actually. <laughs> so <Good. laughs> I just keep moving my app around because I, 
It's more <laughs> me place. trying to break my uh, Facebook addiction as mm-hmm. well. So that's why I'm considering deleting it altogether. Yeah. But then I feel like if I do that, I'll regret it because there's so many mm-hmm. people that I have on my Facebook that I want to keep in contact with. Especially right now when yeah. we can't see them face to face. Yeah. So it's just like, what do? Hard. Hey, yeah. if you guys have any tips for how to manage social media burnout please let us know <laughs> add goodreads better friends podcast at gmail.com yeah. yeah or dm us on our instagram how yeah, long yeah. goodreads underscore better friends please do that do we'd it. love to hear from you we would you can message us on tumblr if you want it's true Goodreads better friends pod at tumblr.com. Dot tumblr.com. That's what I said. Don't, don't listen back and prove me wrong. Uh, what is it? Goodreads better friends pod. Yep. Look at me. I kind of remembered one thing once. Yeah. <laughs> Go me. And also, you can hit us up on the Twitter at gr underscore bf pod where i haven't posted a lot but every now and then i re-blog or i guess ooh, that's tumblr <laughs> retweet olivia gatwood and um ooh, melissa wee. i can't think of her name but i have her poetry book over there somewhere last sext that author i cannot think of her name have you heard the poem that's like the women in my family are bitches Long Island Bitches, no. something like that. It's a really, really good poem that she performs. She actually made like a really cool video for it, too. I cannot think of her name right now. That sounds great, though. Yeah, she's a great poet. I'll try to find the video and like send it to you and put it on her okay. put her yeah. Instagram or something. I watched the Olivia Gatwood one that I posted on my wall. I oh. loved it. I know, man, it's so good. good. I'd never really heard, good. I don't think I'd heard her read unless you'd shown, you'd shown me her poetry back when we worked at Second and Charles. Some... I remember us yeah. sometimes standing in that back area watching poetry yeah. videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we weren't on the clock. No, it was during our lunch. Yeah, totally. Not on the clock while we're stalking books. Whatever, you can't fire us (laughs) retroactively. (laughs) I've already spent all that money. (laughs) I guess, should we talk about our things? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. Do you want to go? Or do you want me to? I don't care. I don't know if that's going to work for me. (laughs) Um, You go first. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try not to be insane right now. I will cut you off. Okay. So, um, basically last night I was like looking over all my short stories and trying to decide which ones I wanted to talk about. So I just went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and I started checking in with like some of the first short stories that I read and kind of what got me into my favorite types of fiction. And I realized that, um, I got really into short stories when I was in high school. All the things that I most remember enjoying that I read in my English classes were short stories. We read some emo ass shit in high school. Not even just emo, just like spooky shit, like unsettling weird stuff when I was in high school. And I think it's hilarious because I went to a very small conservative high school. And I think it's really funny that I got into all this like crazy (laughs) unsettling short fiction when I was that young. So um, one of the first things I was gonna talk about is um, Edgar Allan Poe. I started reading Edgar Allan Poe in middle school, I guess. They had us read, like, Annabelle Lee first, and we read The Telltale Heart Mm -hmm. and The Cask of Amont... No. 
Yeah. Oh no. Uh, Cask of Amontillado is um was one of my favorites Amontillado. from Amontillado. That's actually probably it. Um, Cask of Amontillado was one of my favorite stories that we read in high school. I oh, love that one that so so fascinating. Much. So super short synopsis. Basically, um, <laughs> a man offends man one offends man two's family name, I believe. Yeah. And so man two is like, hey, I have this really dope wine. <laughs> down in my family's, uh, you know, catacombs, basically, come down here and try out this really good wine. And they keep going deeper and deeper into these catacombs. While you and... get shit face here and fit Yeah, yeah. Fit yeah, so, yeah, and they keep getting shit face. And, um, <laughs> so they keep going deeper and deeper into these creepy-ass catacombs. And Man 1 is like, hey, this is really far down here. And Man 2 is like, don't worry, it's worth it. <laughs> And then they get down really far down. And I don't know. Does he, like, just push him in and throw some chains on him? Is that what happens? And, well, he gets him, like, stupid drunk first. That and must like, be it. And then he, like, bricks him up into the yeah. wall. I know he bricks him up into the wall. And he just, like, fucking perishes mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. He's just left deep, deep in these catacombs. And I remember and reading it, that and being like... I think he is chained because like, I think I remember... He can't the, get out. Yeah, like, the noise of the chain <laughs> is, like, one of the... And the moment he realizes what's happening, ooh. So anyways, super unsettling. And I remember reading that as a youngster. Like, I don't know. It must have been my freshman year. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, this is <laughs> dark. Okay. And then another one I wanted to mention, another one I read, I think my freshman year was Mask of the Red Death, <laughs> which is hella appropriate right now. <laughs> Basically, the, um, the Red Death, which I think was based off of, was it TB or the Black plague or something um anyways it was this plague that was going on um this prince is like i'm just gonna lock all of my fun wealthy socialite friends into the castle with me and we're just gonna party until this plague has passed i don't really give a shit about the poor people in my community or the people who need resources or medical attention i'm just gonna have a party during the duration of this plague and of course that doesn't go well and the the red death which is like a literal like embodiment of or or the mask of the red death is a literal embodiment of this plague comes and just fucks them all up and it's really creepy and really amazing and I like that story a lot Edgar Allan Poe all of his short stories are fantastic and spooky as fuck another one I read I think when I was a sophomore in high school was called A Rose for Emily by William Faulkner that one was written in 1930 and uh have you read that one yes yes that one is super messed up too right so basically there's this like wealthy socialite woman uh it's set in the south and she's kind of eccentric and she doesn't get married until like she has a suitor when she's in like her 30s or 40s like she's a little bit old for having a suitor at that time she has this suitor and he kind of just disappears after a while and she becomes more and more erratic and strange and reclusive and when she finally passes away they're going to like clear out her house and they find her suitor's body he's laying in her bed he's just been laying there decomposing for like 20 years and there's like an indentation where she had been laying in the bed next to him so anyways that one's really creepy and messed up too (laughs) i remember Vaguely, that one from my freshman... I want to say it was my freshman year. But mm-hmm. I just looked it up, and the Red Death was a fictitious plague. Was it? Yeah. yeah, but was it based off of something? Like, I thought it was based off of one it's of the others. It's probably based off, like, the 
the Black Plague or like yeah, something, something weird. But yeah. Um, I still thought it was relevant. Very relevant. And then also my freshman year, we read The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson does a good job with the horror. She wrote uh, Haunting of Hill House. Mm. Uh, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Mm. Um, But The Lottery is basically a very small village, which I, of course, always picture as my hometown of Plymouth, Illinois, (laughs) which is 600 people very oh, tiny. It's so small. <laughs> it is. It's called the village of Plymouth. Um, so anyways, of course I picture my hometown as this village and everybody knows everybody. They have like a gathering every year in the center of town and everybody has to draw a piece of paper out of the giant bucket and they all open the piece of paper at the same time and there's one person that has a big black dot on their piece of paper and that person gets killed. Um, they get stoned to death. Like people throw stones at them oh. until they're dead. And it happens every year and everybody's like, this is just normal. This is part of the process. And, and it's like, like cleaning up the population. I don't know. Why that? would you just do one is a year? A, like a sacrifice? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird sick sacrifice. Oh, but anyways, um, <clears throat> that one is insane. <laughs> And then another one that we read, I think this was my sophomore year. This is one that I'm going to talk about a little bit more extensively. It's called By the Waters of Babylon. It's by Stephen Vincent Benet, and it was written in 1937. And I feel like that's kind of um, important to remember um, because it was before World War II. Basically, I read this book in high school, or this short story in high school, and then I never, like, these others I've heard of since then. Shirley Jackson I've heard of, William Faulkner, of course. This one, I'd, I had not heard anything about it since I was out of high school, so I finally looked it up. Yeah, I don't see a lot of his stuff. I've never, I'd never heard of Stephen Vincent Binet outside of reading this. Um, so basically, it is post-apocalyptic. There's like this little, um, I don't want to say village. I don't know if they have villages. Maybe they do. But it's like this little village um, set kind of in the outskirts in kind of the country. And this young man, he is the son of a priest, like a high priest. And so he is going to become a priest by default. And he uh, he decides it's time for him to go through his rite of passage, which is kind of like he has to go out into nature on his own and commune with nature and just be out there. And they travel into these little abandoned villages called the Dead Places. And they have to, like, dig through the old houses for metal and stuff to salvage, basically. Oh. They're like gatherers. And so he decides to go on his um, on his little expedition, and they tell him not to journey east because the city of gods is to the east, and he's not supposed to go there. He will surely die. So, of course, what he does is travel east. Mm-hmm. He, he keeps seeing signs that he needs to go that direction, so he does. And he comes to a river, and he knows that across the river is the city of the gods. So he crosses the city, that he crosses the river, and he gets to the city of the gods. It's decimated New York City, basically. And so he's, like, walking around, and he knows that the gods used to live here and that it's very great. And uh, he knows that he's not supposed to be there because he could be killed. There are, like... He said that there are, like, toxic mists that will kill you and stuff. But he doesn't... He feels safe, and he's traveling around, and he's trying to escape this pack of rabid dogs. So he, like, goes into one of the buildings, and he, he like, goes into one of the, like, rooms, and it's an apartment, basically. And he's, like, admiring how the gods used to live. He sees, like, lamps, and he's like, well, this looks like a, like a candlelight, but it doesn't turn on. And he sees, like, he sees a place where one would prepare food, but there's no fire, he goes into, like, the bathroom, and he's like, I see metal that says hot and metal that says cold, but they're not hot or cold. 
he's like, the magic is gone from this place. And so he stays the night that night. And when he, while he's sleeping, he sees the city of the gods in its prime. And once again, it's New York City. Yeah, so, so it's he's basically like, when we would have. Yeah, happened. exactly. Oh. And he's, he's like, it's light outside, but it's nighttime. And these people, they never sleep. They're always going. They're always doing. And so when it becomes daytime again and he wakes up, he goes into one of the last rooms that he hasn't checked out. And he sees the body of a dead god. And he, he was sitting in a chair looking out the window. <clears throat> and uh, that's when he realizes that the gods were actually just men. And that basically this city had been de- uh, destroyed. He called it... There, there is knowledge of the time when the city was destroyed. It was called the, the night of fire in the sky and great burning or something like that. And it's interesting because this is written in a very... Uh, I can send you the story if you want to read it. Oh, I'm actually um, writing notes for the title. Oh, okay. Perfect. So what was it called? The um, Night of... Oh, The Night of Fire in the Sky and Great Burning, I think. I'll, I'll look it up because I wrote it down. Basically, it's also intriguing because it's written in very quite simple sentences. There aren't large words in it um, because it's clear that these people were survivors of what, what becomes... When you read it, you realize they got nuked, basically. Mm. Because the the toxic gases, that's radiation. Right. Once again, I need to point out, this was written in uh, 1937. So this is like before Hiroshima or anything. Which is crazy. It was written before Hiroshima. So he was like already like kind of expecting us to get nuked, right? <laughs> and so um, they there were a few survivors and they made sure to stay away from the City of the Gods because they knew it was a dangerous place. Because of radiation and stuff, it was killing people. And so they had lost a lot of their language because they didn't have literature as much. They had a few books, and that's how he knew how to read hot and cold and stuff. But, but yeah, it's, like, really fascinating to read about, like, basically he just stumbles upon New York City. It's super creepy. Anyways, yeah, so that's a... One of my favorite short stories I read in high school. Uh, Now I'm just going to talk about a few other short story books or short stories. I'm not going to go super in-depth into any more of them except for one. Um, One of my favorite short story collections is called Palace of Illusions by Kim Adonisio. Um, Kim Adonisio is just an amazing short story writer. She might be what got me into the idea of writing them as an adult. She writes a very wide variety of characters. Uh, One of her first short stories in this book is about just a little girl, kind of who, like, her mom is working full-time and she has to stay in the apartment and entertain herself. Or she has to spend the day with her grandpa, which is, like, he kind of gives her a lot of candy and asks her to dance for him. And it's, like, really uncomfortable. And you can tell, because it's written from her point of view, you can tell that, like, she knows that it's not right, but she doesn't understand why. And it's just, once again, she uses, like, the simple sentences. She speaks, like, she, you know, it's, like, from the girl's train of thought. I, It's almost like I feel like a kid again when I'm reading it. Like, I totally, like, she does such a good job of getting into the character of the child. And she writes about... Um, a college dropout who joins a carnival and she makes, she does a good job of making him kind of smug and shitty. And, (laughs) and, um, she writes about a couple who kind of accidentally find themselves in a thruple. And it's, it's really intriguing to see from the (laughs) husband's point of view, from the wife's point of view and from the other person's point of view. Um, and then she does a really funny rewrite of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, um, set in present day New York City. And basically these dwarves are all living together waiting for Snow White to come rescue them. And they all have 
very big personality. It clashes, like, grumpy and dopey and stuff, and it has a funny twist at the end. So anyways, Kim Adonisio, Palace of Illusions. I love her. Of course, we can't talk about short stories without mentioning Kurt Vonnegut. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the Monkey House is one of my favorite collections of short stories by him. He has a really good one called Miss Temptation, where basically this really beautiful woman is hypersexualized all the time. And this man has, like, big feels for her, and he's kind of being shitty to her because she's pretty, and he's not the only one that thinks she's pretty, and he kind of shames her for it. And so one of my favorite lines from anything ever is she turns to him, and she says, I'm not Yellowstone Park. I'm not supported by taxes. I don't belong to everybody. You don't have any right to say anything about the way I look. And I'm like, damn, I like that. That's good. I'm not supported by taxes. Um, I also wanted to mention, because I thought this would be fun and kind of different, there is a graphic novel collection of short stories by Junji Ito called Smashed, and it's a horror graphic novel, so it's creepy as fuck. And, oh, why do I have it upside down backwards? I know how to read manga. Um, <laughs> basically, the scariest one, or the creepiest illustrations, is from The Mystery of the Haunted House. And it's just like, think like demon children with the sharpest teeth you've ever seen. It's just so creepy and gross. And I'm trying to, oh, there it is. There you go, Aisha. Unsettling, yeah, right? Very unsettling. But, teeth. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's wrong. It's awful. <laughs> so, anyways, um, if you wanna feel uncomfortable, read Smashed by Jinji Ito or any of his short stories. I have heard rumors, just rumors, that he is collaborating with Hideo Kojima to make a horror video. Oh, game. shut the fuck up! Would that not I'll be lose amazing? My mind. I'll lose my Once mind. again, it's just kind of like rumblings on the social medias right now, which but usually means someone leaked it. So happening. yeah. Um, well, I do believe he was supposed to work with him on the Silent Hills that he was supposed to make before Konami was shitty. Junji Ito, keep an eye out for him. He's, like, kind of really popular and up-and-coming right now, I feel like. Or he's already come up, and I'm just late to the game. <laughs> Last one I want to talk about is this, short, uh, this book of short stories called See You in Paradise. And uh, the cover of it is, like, like, 1960s suburban home with, like, this 1960s font on it. You know what and it reminds me of? Do you what? know that famous painting? I think it's called American something. American. And it's, like, um, a farmhouse. It's, like, yeah. a woman and a man yeah. just standing there. American Gothic, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what that I can see that. So it's, like, the sky is green. I feel like that's an important thing to mention. A feeling that's evoked by the front of this book is, like, it's supposed to be innocuous, suburban, whatever, just Americana, but it's kind of sinister and unsettling at the same time when you look at it. And that is what this whole book is filled with stories about. It's just like happy family moments that are kind of unsettling and just not kind they just kind of don't feel right. And there's a there's a family that finds a portal to other worlds in their backyard and it's narrated by the father and he's trying to be optimistic, but ever since they started traveling through the portal, his son is starting to like speak in like it's not Aramaic, but pretty much Aramaic. He's just like creepy and scary and <laughs> obsessed with violence and and um so basically ever since his family started like sneaking through the portal and going to visit other worlds, they've started like just kind of drifting apart and feeling kind of just like tense and stuff and um 
There's another one that I don't feel like explaining because it's too much. I just feel like people should read it. It's called A Stormy Evening at the Buck Snort Restaurant. And this is one, I listened to this on audiobook, and it was one that kind of made me gasp when I listened to it. It was just intense. And um, I'm going to read a few piece, a few parts from one of my favorite short stories I've ever heard, if that's what you can call this. It's called The Accursed Items. And so basically it's just individual little like sentences or paragraphs that are like, they're almost little stories, but they're all based on these different cursed items. So I'm just going to read a few of them. A library card from a town he wishes he still lived in. A mini mouse doll you found by the roadside and brought home, intending to run it through the washer and give it to your infant son, but which looked no less forlorn after washing it and was abandoned on a basement shelf, only to be found by your son eight years later and mistaken for a once-loved toy that he himself had forsaken, leading to his first real experience of guilt and shame. An unpainted patch on the hood of the car where vandals scrawled epithet. An icicle preserved in the freezer by a child which, when discovered months later, is thought to be evidence of a problem with the appliance leading to a costly and inconclusive diagnostic exam by a repairman. A gay porno magazine thrown onto a baseball field from a car window and perused with great interest by ad the adolescent members of both teams, two of whom meet in the woods some week weeks later to reproduce the tableau they have seen, leading to a gradual understanding that they are, in fact, gay. An in incident, the memory of which causes one of the two, when he is well into a life that is disappointing emotionally, professionally, and sexually, to fling a gay porno magazine out of his car as he passes an occupied baseball field on his way to what will become an unsuccessful in job interview. Your tongue forming forbidden words inside your closed mouth. A bumper sticker affixed to the inside of a women's room stall door bearing the name and telephone number of a rape crisis center that has lost its funding and is no longer operating. The test results from the genetics lab that his hands are shaking too hard to open. The new map, on which his hometown is not marked, as it no longer exists because the state forced its residents to sell their homes so that the new reservoir could be created above them, which reservoir, with its waterfront casinos, has greatly increased the value of the surrounding properties, many of which are owned by the senator who lobbied to have the reservoir project approved. A bottle of pain reliever brought on a business trip that proves, at the moment it is most needed, to be filled not with pain reliever, but with buttons. The house plant that will not die. Work gloves, once owned by the farmer, routinely used for calving and for the slaughter of cattle and hardened with blood and slime into the exact shape of his hands that are many years after his death discovered hanging in the barn by the farmer's son, who tries them on and finds that his own hands, though soft from his life of relevant affluence and leisure and work behind a desk, fit perfectly. Sneakers hanging from the power line with one half of a boy's broken glasses stuffed into each toe. My eyeglasses covered with a thickening layer of dust that I never seem to notice that I simply adjust to until at last I clean them out of habit and discover a new world sharp and filled with detail whose novelty and clarity I forget about completely within five minutes. Your signature rendered illegible by disease. Damn. And that was only one quarter of them. Wow. There was one in there that I did not read because it was very long that, once again, it made me gasp when I listened to it. <laughs> I have listened to that part of the book probably 20 times now. I listen to it often. So anyways, yeah. I love that part. Um, that's the end of me talking 
incessantly about short stories. <laughs> I hope you liked. Um, we're going to link all those fucking books on the show notes. Your turn. Okay. Well, I guess the first one I'll talk about is The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Gilman. Um, I really liked this book, this little tiny, tiny story. It was kind of jam-packed full of what the fucks. Um, I love it, too. So basically the story is this woman who just had a baby and her mental state is declining and her brother and her husband just thinks she needs fresh air. So they take her out to the country where she is staying in this room with this hideous yellow wallpaper. She absolutely hates it. So I'm going to talk about what I think the wallpaper represents Mm. because it is the most compelling obviously it's called the yellow wallpaper Mm -hmm. but it's definitely the most compelling part of the story so I think it it represents a lot of things like um, her insecurities I think it projects her mental decline because Mm -hmm. the entire book she's just losing her mind I mean it's probably postpartum and that could be causing all these delusions that she's experiencing Um, But either way, it sort of feels like it's just projecting all of her fears and insecurities, maybe possibly some infidelity with her husband. And even Jenny, who is the nanny or something, kind of starts to see things too. And I was thinking, what if Jenny is the mistress to the husband? And I don't know. know. Like, it just seems like there was, it was alluding to that, but it wasn't exactly ever saying it. It was just all from her point of view. And it was just, it was hard to like trust what was going on in the story because Mm -hmm. of the further you get into the story the further her her mental health has declined so it's just nothing makes sense right you start (laughs) to get into like unreliable narrator territory at that point yeah oh i really dig that and i was thinking maybe because at one point she talks about seeing like a woman behind the wall and Mm -hmm. i was like maybe that's her thinking her husband's cheating on her or something um another thing that i really liked this book kind of reads poetically and it has i noticed a lot of little sound of So like on page 14 she says, There is nothing so dangerous, so fascinating to a temperament like yours. It is a false and foolish fancy. I fought like the, that, like alliteration. It's a false and foolish fancy. Can you not trust me as a physician when I tell you so? And then she says, so of course I said no more on that score and we went to sleep before long. And, and she just kind of mirrors that throughout the entire book and I like it. This other one is like, it is a very bad habit I am convinced for you see I don't sleep and that cultivates deceit. And I'm like, I love Ooh. that. Like, that makes a story I don't know that I so would have picked up on that. That's your poet brain. <laughs> Probably, because I was like, oh, marking that, marking <laughs> that. But yeah, um, you should check that out. That's really good um, early feminist literature mm-hmm. for sure. I think it's important to point out it was written by a woman, and I feel like it is, like you said, very much a statement on women's mental health not being yeah. taken seriously. Yeah. She has, like, postpartum depression, or she might have postpartum depression, and they're just like, she's kind of hysteric. She they, just needs some fresh air. Yeah, she they needs literally a vacation were like, home. we're going to take her out yeah. to the countryside to get her fresh air because that's right. all she needs. And right. throughout the whole book, her husband and her brother are, like, belittling everything she's saying. Mm-hmm. He, she keeps saying she doesn't feel well. <laughs> she keeps saying she doesn't feel well, like... Mm-hmm. Which and I'm sure is adding, yeah. the fact that they're belittling her and stuff. Yeah. It's just making it worse. Because no one is, like, listening. Right. And right. that was like a normal thing, including the doctors. Well, they were both they were both doctors. Her husband and her oh, brother were okay. physicians. Okay. And I think this is also slightly mirroring the actual author's life because I know mm-hmm. at the end of the book, I don't want to spoil the end of the book actually because oh, it's yeah. kind of big. Uh, so I won't even say that. <laughs> but read the yellow wallpaper. Read it. It was fabulous. So I'm gonna talk about 
Miranda July. Oh, I love her. Okay, so after I read this book, I posted it on my Instagram, and I was like, this book is full of magical little weird-ass stories, mm -hmm. and I really liked it. I never... I feel like I say this almost every episode, but I'm like, I never read a book like this before. <laughs> but I also was never into short stories that right. much. Like, outside of what I read in school, which was required, mm -hmm. I never read short stories. So, I really dug this book. I think this was the first book of short stories I ever finished. So, oh, really? Thank That's you, awesome. Morgan. You're welcome. <laughs> so yeah, I'm it's one of my about, favorites, too. I mean, it's just... Oh. It's amazing. I actually got another book by Miranda July... What is that, The First Bad Man? Yeah. Just because I like her writing style so much. Is like, that a novel or is it short stories? I think that's a novel. Oh, okay. Um, I want to read it. I just haven't yet. <laughs> you can borrow it. I'm not going to read it. I got a whole... Well, I'm not going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whole stack of books to get through. I'm sure you do, too. So I you don't do. Have to. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about two stories that are luckily right next to each other. I'm going to talk more in depth about the second one because I loved it so I'm much. I'm anxious to hear which one you're going to talk about. The Man on the Stairs. You remember that one? Maybe. So, I'll know when you talk about it. <laughs> the man on the stairs is uh, this woman who wakes up and she hears someone walking <gasps> up her stairs. Oh, and it's sort of like this slow, intense build up to her death. Jeez. And it the story jumps. This story is Phoebe, Phoebe, honey. Phoebe. <laughs> we have a guest star today. Please, thank you. Her name is Phoebe. <laughs> The story jumps from past to present, which is crazy because it's, like, three pages long. Yeah. It's, like, it's not a long story at all, but she jumps from this man slowly walking up her stairs to talking about the first time she met her husband, Kevin, who's mm -hmm. still asleep in bed next mm -hmm. to her. And it's just this really intense buildup from her just getting out of bed and walking towards the door and seeing him on the stairs and then meeting him in the hallway and telling him to go away. And it it's just so well written. I don't know... <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but I that was one of my favorite ones because it was just so compelling to me. Yeah, that one made me tense yeah. <laughs> in my desk chair while I was working and listening to it. And I feel like the most shocking part is just the death at the end because it it kind of she was still kind of in the past, and then she said, "Actually, I died. Like I did die." That's crazy. And it just comes out of nowhere, like you didn't expect yeah. it. And I just that was a great, great story. Like yeah. I said, it's like three pages long. How do you do that? That's the beauty of short stories. That's why I love them so much. You can set a whole freaking tone in just a handful of pages. Yeah. I love that. It's crazy. And uh, you know what? That makes me really excited to talk about Octavia Butler's book. <laughs> oh my Ooh. god, those are strange. Oh, okay, uh -huh. right the other one I wanted to talk about was The Sister. Do you remember that one? I don't remember. <laughs> I okay. don't know my titles. I'll so, know when you talk about it. This story is about, like, a single old man. I think he's over <gasps> Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, it was fucked up, wasn't it? Oh, yes, <laughs> I'm going to read this whole part to Okay, so he's, like, always asked if he wants to meet someone's sister because he's, like, this single old man. Um, he's kind of odd. And this man, Victor, says he should meet a sister, Blanca. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Victor arranges for them to meet. Blanca on an AIDS benefit. But a what? An AIDS benefit? Yeah, it was like an AIDS benefit. Oh, shit. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Phoebe, honey, please stop. Okay. <laughs> it's not kitty time. It's always kitty time. Hi, sweetie. Can you go that way towards the door? I'll just, I'll just pet her. I'll sacrifice myself. She'll, she'll, <laughs> oh, oh she'll do it. She'll do it. Look at her. <laughs> She's like, gonna oh. scream. Hi. <laughs> What you doing? See? <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, um, 
so Victor arranges for them to meet at this AIDS benefit, but weirdly, this um, the main character, whose name, do they ever say his name? Actually, I feel like v Victor arranges to, to have them meet at the AIDS benefit, and then weirdly, he keeps missing her all night, but then Victor goes, oh, she saw you, she really liked you. So, this theme sort of carries on through the entire story of Blanca just barely missing him but they never actually meet so much that he starts sort of envisioning what it would be like to be in love with her like he mm -hmm. sort of builds this false idea of Blanca I'm gonna read this really <laughs> weird part <laughs> he took it he just he does he takes it too he far. takes it too far and it's like well you know he's been lonely for so long of that it's sort of like when you don't date for a long time and anyone that's nice to you, mm -hmm. you're like, I love you. <laughs> I knew when she was near because I started breathing harder. The whole feeling in the room changed. Her smell wrapped itself around my face and I just knew she was there. And I couldn't stop thinking she was a teenager, even though it made no sense. The bar was full of smoke and men, but I could see her behind someone just out of view in tight jeans and tennis shoes, chewing gum with pierced ears and some kind of band holding her hair back, a ribbon or some kind of plastic band and pierced ears. I said that already. Okay, that's what I saw. Some may say that such a girl is not ready for a relationship with a man, especially a man in his late 60s. But to that I say, we don't know anything. We don't know how to cure a cold or what dogs are thinking. We do terrible things. We make wars. We kill people out of greed. So who are we to say how to love? I wouldn't force her. I wouldn't have to. She would want me. We would be in love. What do you know? <laughs> you don't know anything. Call me when you've cured AIDS. Give me a ring and then I'll listen. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah, he starts sort of like feeding this idea that Blanca is a real thing that he's experienced, but he hasn't. So one night, <laughs> Victor, Victor's like, oh, come over. Uh, Blanca's going to come over and you're finally going to get to meet her. So he decides, hey, we're going to do ecstasy tonight. Because <laughs> that's clearly what you do, right? You do ecstasy. So like inadvertently, he starts building a relationship with Victor. But he still has not met Blanca yet, so they're like, they're going to take E. <laughs> um, and uh, Blanca's supposed to come over. Victor, like, makes a move on him. <laughs> and, he, and then he tells him, Blanca's not real. <laughs> and then they have sex, and then honestly, the, the whole book just ends, and they're like laying in bed together, and it's kind of beautiful. <laughs> because you know, he's probably actually been single that whole time because he didn't even know he was gay. Right. So Blanca's not real. She does not exist. Blanca is Victor. Yep. And Victor really, really wanted him. Uh huh. So. That's a great story. I love it. Honestly, this is just like a precipice into the weird shit that Miranda July writes in this book. One of my favorite ones is the very first story. <gasps> Me too! The, what is it called? The, she has... the, sh the shared balcony, I think that's yeah, what it's called. Yeah, because... <laughs> she's crazy. She is. She, she has man. a crush on her next door neighbor and he has epilepsy and... <laughs> he's having a seizure when they're spending time together and she's just letting him and she's not... And she's Hoping having, like, way. this entire imaginative thing. <laughs> like, like, what if we slept together or right. something? Like, it's crazy. While he's just having a he's seizure. He's having a seizure. <laughs> he needs medical attention. <laughs> she's and like, she's just fantasizing about sex. him like, admitting his love to her, yeah. basically. 
glad you got your priorities <laughs> together, ma'am. But honestly, this is the greatest book of short stories I've ever read. It really read. is. So get just give it a shot. <laughs> I, the another one that I remember is where she the girl starts the swim lessons for the old people, but there's no pool for them to swim at. So oh, they just yeah. like they're, just they're like, like laying on tables yeah, and stuff that. and just paddling their arms. <laughs> I remember now I kind of feel like... I want to reread it. It's been yeah. a long time. Because I forgot about The Man on the Stairs. Uh, when oh, I think about one. this book, I do remember the sister. I just didn't know that was the name of it. But I forgot about... I remember... God. Like, I can still remember the moment that I got to the end of the book, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what did I just read? <laughs> Miranda July, she um, she reads it in her audiobook, too. And you've listened to her music, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that bass. It's not like her music, but she has like that kind of like spoken word, lilted almost. voice yeah. that I, I really That's enjoy perfect. it. Yeah. 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 And her delivery is amazing in these, in these stories. So yeah, very good. Very good. I think I read it in a couple of days, which is... I had the attention span of a fly, uh, so that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely give No One Belongs Here More Than You by Miranda July a try. Uh, so the next one I'm going to talk about is Octavia Butler, who I'm really, really upset that I just discovered this person because they're a black sci-fi writer, and I dig it. This was the oddest, and I don't mean Miranda July odd, I mean fucking weird ass. Ooh. The first, you are not prepared when you get into <laughs> the first story. And the way each story is written, you're just sort of dropped into these really weird dystopian worlds with mm-hmm. no explanation. No context. Yeah, it's sort so... of like you sort of learn the context of the story as you go, which I guess is normal, but I mean, like, these are really, really weird stories. Like, <laughs> like you feel I like you read would it. need it. And. It's sort of like when you start playing a horror video game and you start learning the map uh-huh. slowly, you kind of just like um, assimilate to what they're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really loved it. And then at the end of every story, she actually writes um, um, an afterward to okay. explain where the idea for the story came from. Um, oh, behind each story? Yeah. That's cool. So it makes sense. And I just, I really liked it. I couldn't believe I had never heard of this before. Um, so the story I'm going to talk about is called, I'm <clears throat> pretty sure it's got speech now. It's this weird dystopian world where an illness took over. It's just the illness. Mm-hmm. And it took people's voices. It killed some people. It caused others, like, to be paraplegic. Um, and it caused some, like, intellectual impairments for some people. Uh, so basically, they live in this society where no one speaks. So they make mm-hmm. sounds and, and they use, like, body language to mm-hmm. communicate. So she's on this bus. I think it's called the Washington Boulevard bus. There's, like, a fight about to start on the bus between these guys. They're just, like, roughly bumping each other and, like, grunting really loudly. Um, So they get into this crazy fight, and uh, this bearded man, like, saves a bunch of people, gets them off the bus so they don't, like, get caught in the middle of this. I think he, like, he's, like, a a police officer, but I guess it's, like, trying to keep the LAPD alive. It's not, Mm -hmm. like, they don't have, like, an actual police department, but some people still have those jobs, I guess. Um, so he, like, threw something in the bus to get everyone off, including the men fighting, and then they almost tried to fight him or whatever. But that's not important. We're gonna talk about the bearded man, because he's kind of, like, 
um, I guess an illness fuckboy. So, <laughs> so. I, wish, I wish the world could have seen her face when she did that too. She kind of like tucked her hand under her chin. <laughs> it was really cute. So we're with Valerie Rye, and she um, she was like really grateful to him for saving them, but she was. I think she needed a ride home because they had they had like smoked the bus, so the bus Jesus. was no more. So he offered to give her a ride. I don't know why. I'm I'm now trying to understand why. Oh, he wasn't on the bus. Okay. <laughs> At first I was like, why was he on the bus if he had a car? What? It's because he wasn't actually on the bus. He had like gotten on the bus to stop the fight oh, okay. and to help people get off the bus. So he he was gonna give her a ride home. Um, they ended up <laughs> communicating. They communicated really weirdly. Like, they have pins that have, um, like, hers, I think, has, like, wheat on it because mm-hmm. her last name is Rye, and that's how people, that's how you tell people oh, your name. Okay. So they were, like, trying to get to know each other in these, like, mm-hmm. weird communicative ways without speaking because they can't. Um, they ended up having sex in the back of the seat. <laughs> or in the, in the back of the seat. <laughs> that's a language we can all understand. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> His name was Obsidian. Which Ooh, was, I, like I was like, name. okay, that's, that's a, that sounds like he belongs in some really crazy erotica, like, <laughs> obsidian. Yeah, okay. Some gothic <laughs> like his, erotica. <laughs> I was about to say something, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> All of a sudden, they see this lady run by the car, and she's being chased by this guy with a knife, and the guy with the knife... Uh, kills the lady, and then, um, Obsidian tries to, he tries to save the lady, it doesn't work, and he actually ends up getting killed too, which sucks because the way that Valerie is sort of describing the kind of relationship she, she, in her head, really wants to build with this guy, even though she just met him, Mm -hmm. you kind of grow really attached to him. He's just snatched away instantly. (laughs) And then these two little kids come chasing, and they're just like, toddler age come chasing their who I assume was their mother she who is now dead on the ground and they they're talking they're saying mom like they're speaking oh. words and Valerie like uh, she grabs the gun and she kills the man who, who killed Obsidian and the lady and then she takes the kids mm-hmm. and she gets them the safety and then she tells them I'm Valerie Rye you, you you're safe to speak to me she can speak the oh, whole time. Shit. She can speak, and I was like, I wonder if there was no illness, and maybe I don't know how they would do that, but maybe it was like a mental thing that they couldn't speak because mm. she could speak perfectly at the end yeah. of the book, and that's Crazy. it. That's the story. That's the whole story. And I was just like, this is weird. <laughs> this is weird. And some of the other stories have like weird aliens and parasites, and uh-huh. it's like um, there was one story where. What is this this one? The evening and the morning and the night. That's what it's called. And it's like these people, there are certain people in in the society who sort of get this weird virus. They're kind of born with it. And at a certain age, they, it sort of like unlocks and it's really violent. So it will force them to attack people uncontrollably. So like crazies. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) It's yeah, actually. But our main character who she has this gene, she has, she has it like a little different. It's sort of like a warped version of it where she can actually tell the, 
um, the more violent ones what to do, and for some reason they just listen to her. So she's marrying this guy who has the violent part, and she has, you know, the part that can control him, and he, it's like, kind of sweet because it's like him having kind of a meltdown at the the fact that he is going to be in control of uncontrollably violent at some point and she has to control him and it's like he doesn't get any freedom um so and they have these like weird homes like this sort of asylums for them to live in when they they start to get to that point where they get violent is that Um, permanent after they become violent yeah oh oh, yeah so so they need yeah so she um they want her to work at at one of the asylums um so that she can help keep people you know from mm-hmm. becoming really violent because I mean they were talking about his mom um which they went to go visit and she like gouged her own eyes out like Jeez, and then yeah. every now and then she would just jump and you'd have to tell her to stop or she would get violent with you uh-huh. too and it's really it was just really weird that's <laughs> it was, crazy it was a great story like blood child Octavia E. Butler check them out <laughs> um there was the first one speech sound yeah and then the second one was the evening the morning and the night yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna talk I'm gonna mention in the show notes like, specifically which stories we talk about if people are interested in reading those yeah so, so I hope I talked about that in a way that made sense because I yeah. get overexcited and sometimes I just can't word so, that sounds like a fascinating novel it was really weird like I dug it pretty hard <laughs> and then um actually some of the stories are just essays okay they're just essays cool. just non-fiction essays so um but yeah i think the part yeah it was called speech sounds the part that i really appreciated was the afterward because mm-hmm. it just made it everything some make context sense. kind of yeah. yeah yeah for like what inspired her ass yeah that's cool yeah, she's also very honest. That I think it was the first afterwards she's like, I hate... No, it's the, it's the preface where mm-hmm. she's like, I don't ever want to do a short story book again. Like, <laughs> it was really good. Um, Blood Child. Yeah. Blood Child. Cool. That's all I got for a book. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry you know how much rambling I did. <laughs> how much what? Rambling I did. Well, you love short stories. I love them like, so much. Like, way more than me. I wouldn't have read this or this if, <laughs> if you hadn't given them to me. Honestly. I'm the poet. You're the short storyist. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking told you I was really? gonna. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So, the I... last show, <laughs> Morgan broke my pen and she just replaced it. <laughs> I keep my word. <laughs> It was on the podcast. They could not. <laughs> and now we're going to get a follow-up question eventually. Did Morgan ever replace your broken pen? She sure did, bitches. Yeah. They did. All right. What now? Media absorption? Media. You want to go or you want me to? You go. Me. Um, okay. I am in a huge old rut, so I haven't been listening to a lot of new stuff or watching a lot of new stuff. I've been listening to my brother, my brother, and me a lot lately because I have been anxious with world happenings and they are understandably they're so yeah they're so funny um it's three brothers travis justin and griffin mcelroy and they're all they're, very cute too. they're very <laughs> funny and sweet funny um <laughs> most importantly um, most funny, funny. <laughs> they're, lo- they're from cincinnati which is awesome. Um, yeah, they, like, mention, like, going to the Kenwood Mall at some point. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been there! <laughs> um, they don't currently live there. They're, they're kind of spread out. But they 
They do such an amazing job editing their shows, or they get them edited for them. Either way, I think they edit them. You can't tell that they're not all sitting in the same room. Like, they sound like they're sitting in the same room right now. Um, In the earlier episodes, you kind of can, but in the later ones. Okay, well, they're doing a great... I've been listening to the current ones and going backwards, so... Yeah, so far, so good. They do... I didn't realize how... um, awesome they are with their political stuff too like um they were for a while donating the money from their show advertisements to um different charities they did one for the like the health and empowerment of black women they did one for trans people like trans i think advocates so like lawyers for them and stuff when when their like rights are not you know what i mean when their rights are being violated and so um i mean all the time yeah (laughs) yep pretty much um so yeah that's really cool. They they're actively anti-Trump, like out loud, which is good. Which I mean, if I listened to a podcast that was like pro-Trump, I would stop listening to them. But it's it's an extra added bonus when you know for sure the political <laughs> affiliations of the people you listen to. But yeah, they're really good and they're really funny, and I appreciate them a lot. They have helped me during my anxiety. I've also been listening to Unladylike, which is a good podcast about like feminism and um just they have different guests on talking about different stuff there was a woman who um her son was killed by her husband and which was devastating this was in australia it was devastating but she became then and there a spokeswoman for domestic violence in australia and it was because of her outspokenness that a bunch of new like laws have been passed regarding domestic violence in Australia. And so listening to her story was fascinating. There's one about, oh, I can't remember her name, Jessamine something. She does yoga and she's like a beautiful fat black woman and she does yoga and she's like, yoga is for everybody. Nobody can tell me that it's not. And I'm going to try to see if I can find her name real quick. Jessamine. Sorry. Oh, link in the show notes. But basically, yeah, they just talk about women doing cool shit um all the time and i think that's maybe things that might be considered unladylike or whatever and so yeah they 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 do good they have like a whole show about abortions they talk to different women about their abortions honestly and yeah i think you're good for that because i cannot i can't listen to them they (laughs) may they somehow make it really perky (laughs) and i mean it's it's sometimes hard-hitting and heavy but they it's really well edited and stuff. They do a good job with it. Um, I usually don't leave it feeling like shit. As far as TV and movies, I haven't fucking been watching anything, actually. I've been rewatching Breaking Bad a little bit. Um, kind of flipping through some of my comfort shows. I haven't even finished the new season of Umbrella Academy. Remember the last episode that we recorded? I was so pumped about it. I've gotten halfway through it. It's not that I don't like it. It's just I can't take in any more new stuff right now. I just... I don't know, I've hit my limit, I feel like, so I'm sure I'll get back on it, but for right now, I'm just, whatever. I watched the movie Hello, Dolly, and I with Barbara Streisand, and I like Barbara Streisand, but I hated that movie, and I was a theater kid, and I'm probably going to be smited, smote, but I don't like Hello, Dolly. I don't think it's a good movie. Um, and I started I watching, <laughs> I started watching Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn, and I do like that movie, because Audrey Hepburn's adorable, but any, other than that, I haven't watched anything. Finished reading The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, and I was fucking in love with it. It was so good. I really highly recommend it to anybody. And that's it for media, except for music. Do you want to save music for after you talk about your media? 
Okay, it's all a part of media absorption. Okay. With your stuff. Um, I, I don't know. Sufjan Stevens, his album, Illinois. I love that freaking album. I would suggest listening to the song John Wayne Gacy Jr. <laughs> because it's the only song that could be about a serial killer that one could consider incredibly beautiful, I feel like, that I know of. It is. It's a beautiful song. Mother Mother is a song, no, is a band. They have a good song called Hayloft. You're going to hate me because it'll be stuck in your head if you listen to it. Chili Gonzalez is a really amazing pianist, and he has, like, a whole album of piano solos that are just to die for. They're so perky and good. And then number four, number four. Oh, yeah, there's this band I love called Beirut, and they have a song called Elephant Gun. And that's, like, one of my favorite songs ever. I never switch it when it plays on my music. I've been obsessed with it since I was in college. And I actually saw them at Lollapalooza uh, perform that song. And in the middle of it, this man proposed to his fiance. And she said yes. But, well, okay. But this was, like, a huge crowd of people. And somehow everybody, like, made space for them to dance to it, like, slow dance to it. And so, like, the, the lead singer of Beirut, like shout it out to them and this song i feel like you have to hear the song to also realize how freaking beautiful and romantic it was so anyways that song just gives me the good feels every time so i love it those are my songs what about you for my media absorption i've been playing the ghost of tsushima which if you haven't played it check it out because the entire time you play it, you're just gonna be like holy fucking shit this is gorgeous the whole time. It's just like, there's this one place that you go to, I can't remember what it's called, it's golden something, and it's just covered in these, like, spectacular golden leaves, the whole area, Ooh. and it has, like, trees that have it on there, and it's all on the ground, and it's, it's just, the visuals are so good. Like, I'm obsessed with this game, it's, it's basically what I've been doing, so. console are you playing it on? PS4. Um, I've been watching... Trash TV. I've been watching Heart of Dixie, which was, I, I think it was a show on the CW. And I am, I love it. I don't know why. It's just, it's just something that makes me go, oh my god, this is so cute. It's like, very wholesome, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Oh. Well, I don't mean that in a bad way, but yeah, I had it's, a I mean, it's loved like it. a small town southern show, yeah. but I wouldn't call it wholesome. Okay. It's a lot of drama. <laughs> well, it's a CW show, so... Well, it was a CW show. And then I want to talk about this movie that I saw that I loved. That my roommate and I just, like, randomly watched one day because we were, like, looking for something weird and good to watch. Mm -hmm. So it's this movie called Ready or Not. That's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it has Samara Weaving, who's one of the four who looks like Margot Robbie and uh, Jamie okay. Presley. Uh -huh. Samara Weaving. She's adorable. And it's like, this girl marries... She's marrying this guy. I don't remember if this is after the marriage or right the day before the marriage. I want to say it's after. And she, his family is like stupid rich, okay? Stupid rich. And apparently have are like cursed. <laughs> so the entire movie, they're hunting her because they have to kill her. She is a sacrifice. So oh. she's like going through this big, giant, beautiful, scary, Victorian kind of mansion, trying to hide from them all, slowly kills them off. It has Adam Brody in it, too. Oh, uh, slowly like kills him. them off, and then the last remaining ones, at the very last minute, just burst. <laughs> because oh. she survived. 
they just burst <laughs> because they like, the curse was real. They weren't sure if the curse was real, so they were like, we're going to kill her in case. <laughs> and, um, it turned out it was, and they just burst. Wait, they explode? Yeah, they Is there blood explode. and guts everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, my God. Please watch that movie. Ready or not. Okay. Um, music. And, I mean, I'm not listening to anything that good, but Taylor Swift, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. I like that song. And then Cardigan on her folklore album. I like that one. And then I mentioned this in the last one, but I'm going to mention it again. Phoebe Bridger's song, I Know the End. It is so good. It starts off really sweet and slow. And then it, she just starts screaming at the end. Like, it's Ooh. it's so good. It's, like, probably the closest to metal she'll ever get. But it was really good. There's, like, nice build-up. I know the end. I know the end. Just check out the whole album, The Punisher. And then for podcast, my friend sent me um, a link to Sinisterhood, and then it turns out I love it. So it's another, I think it's a paranormal podcast. I might be confusing, but I think it is. Um, It is. <laughs> and they have, like, really good banter. It's sort of, like, morbid, but supernatural stories and less okay. depressing because it's not people being murdered people who actually died yeah (laughs) um and then there's another one called let's get haunted that i'm sort of into but they get sidetracked a lot but they're still really funny clearly i'm obsessed with true crime and supernatural uh, podcasts those are my favorite and then i'm still listening to the basement yard one of the hosts left which i'm really sad about Mm. but they replaced them with someone that i also love so i'm not losing anything (laughs) so basement yard which i'll always plug that's like my version of my brother, my brother, and me. Okay. And yeah, that's all I got for media absorption. Cool. Hey, if you guys are listening in the Dayton area, you should check out the Dayton Poetry Slam. Um, they have a Facebook page. They post when their events are happening. Um, I think you can still watch their slams on Instagram live when they're happening now. No, or maybe YouTube. YouTube. They okay. actually have a YouTube channel that you can go and follow. Okay, yeah, so they have a YouTube channel. It's Dayton Poetry Slam. You can watch the slams happen. You'll see Aisha read sometimes, often. Um, You'll see me read every once in a while, not my own stuff. Um, And you'll see our dear friends that we like to talk about on here read. And check them out. They're really amazing. It's really fantastic community. I can't say high enough things about them. Yeah, they make you feel good. Make it feel good. Yeah. Eventually, we're going to start doing the Better Friends portion of this, which hopefully is going to be really, really soon. So we'll start having guests. We started this podcast. I feel like it is important to mention, we started it before the pandemic. Like, this is not the result of the pandemic. This is an idea that was brewing for a long time. Yeah, I think we only recorded one episode, though, before quarantine. But, But the idea was there. But the whole idea was Goodreads is one episode a month of where we talk about books that we are reading or themes or whatever. And then the better friends was supposed to be the second episode yeah. of the month where we have a friend on that talks about books, etc. Et yeah. <laughs> and so because of quarantine and just the whole craziness of it and because we're still fledglings yeah. and not super certain how to yeah. freaking conference people in and stuff. It just, the better friends part hasn't happened yet, yeah. but it's going to. And we have several of you out there that we are super excited to talk to. And it's going to happen. It's just life's crazy. You know, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us, anyways. Seriously, considering how many downloads we have, I'm so excited. Yeah, we love like you. Like I said, most of our friends don't fucking listen because they don't love us. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I know you love us. Actually, hey, if you're a friend, friend and you do listen to us, I'm sorry. We just didn't know. Just send us it's... a heart on Instagram because that yeah. tells us you listen to this entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do that. But my best friend, my best friend, I ask her every time she comes into town if she's listen she's like no i just haven't had time I'm like you I'm fucking bitch so you work sad. from home just like me uh, <laughs> and she won't know that you called her that because she does she yeah you won't that. know um my one of my best friends jen she has listened to a few episodes so this isn't at you jen i know you listen and i love you you're awesome. Yeah, so Morgan but, has good friends. <laughs> but the rest of you. Fuck <laughs> just you. kidding. Just kidding. Wow, this is not how you make friends <laughs> or keep them. <laughs> Fine. We love you now that you're listening. We do. But before you were listening, fuck you. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Andrew. Good at this. We're good at this. <laughs> um. So, anyways, <laughs> he's gonna hate how much we name drop him. <laughs> Y'all don't know his last name. It's fine. It's fine. Um, there's so many there's so, in the I know. That's a basic white boy name. Come on. <laughs> right. So. We should probably end, huh? <laughs> yes. Now I just want to talk shit about people. <laughs> <laughs> See if they make it to this part of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll know. We'll know. Yeah, you guys, if you're listening and you know us, will you send us a sign? You know how I want to ask people if they listen to our podcast, but I, I hate seeing the awkward reaction when they don't. Yeah, I mean, so. And like, I, I don't care. I just want to know. I I do care. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I don't care, but I do want to know, but it's hard and awkward to ask. Like, do you listen to us talk about things for an hour every two weeks or nah? And so, I promise, um, once you move past the episodes where we're shit face drunk, um, <laughs> they get right better. right at the beginning. People I know. Are like, people are like, Ooh. This is their first experience with us. They're it like, what the fuck are you about? I hope people look at the date and realize how hard the world was at that time. We just needed a little bit of to get through it. To lubricate our minds. Yeah. And you know what? We haven't had any, also any audio issues for a long time. Wah, wah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I can just yell as loudly as I want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we should end. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. If you want to follow us on things, we already talked about that in the beginning of the episode. But so. I'm going to plug myself. My, oh, yeah. <laughs> my Instagram is I underscore each underscore ug because i always say dash and i don't even think instagram allows dashes <laughs> so i each i is in your eyeball each ug like ugh. uh yeah that's me on tumblr twitter and insta i am certified underscore morganic on instagram and if you want to follow me on tumblr i just reblog like cats and feminism but um it's Morga Toast, M-O-R-G-A Toast, so <laughs> you can follow that, I guess. I post a lot of boobies, so, uh, you know, baby. whatever you like. <laughs> I, I will flood, though. I will flood my blog with whatever TV show, etc. I'm interested in that week, and then never post about it again, so, you know. <laughs> Healthy. <laughs> like I do. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to us, guys. I know I've said that a few times now, but we heart you. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.